how old I am. I'm 69. I know I don't look that, but I am. I am 69 years of age. My wife is uh, 67 years of age. And we've been married now, this June, just a, a couple of months, we'll have been married 49 years. We have, uh, thank you, appreciate that. Uh, we've been in full-time evangelism now for 37 years. Prior to that, I was in seminary in Texas and was pastor of a little church there for four years when I sensed the call to evangelism. And we have two children, a daughter who lives in Massachusetts, and have, we have three, three grandchildren by her. Uh, they adopted a little girl from China eight years ago, and then they didn't think they could have children, but then all of a sudden they could, and they had a set of twins. And, uh, and so now we have three there, and our son lives in Savannah, Georgia, and he has two little girls, ages five. The age of the children are eight, uh, three, five, and a two. That's as close as I can get. But we love the grandchildren, and we, we've been blessed in ministry. And our family, we traveled together the first ten years as a family. So that tells you a little bit about, oh, yeah, I weigh 240 pounds. <laughs> I, I have really gotten fat, but uh, I've enjoyed every pound of it. And uh, my wife weighs no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. She doesn't really matter. But I'm not. Some things you just don't say. Well, I don't know. Let's see how much time we got. Uh, I already realize I'm not a long-winded preacher, so I should be. You know, you don't have to be watching your clocks or anything. I usually finish up pretty soon. But uh, I know already some of you told me this, and I know some of you, this will be the only time you come, for you only show up on Sunday, and you probably won't be here for the revival services, so this is going to be my only shot at some of you just today, and I'm still trying to look at you and decide which one, you know, I need to preach, because uh, I tell you, it's a, this congregation is really a mixed bag, I can see that already. So I think whatever topic I choose, it'll hit somebody, but I want to do as best I can, and uh, and encourage you, if you can, to come. You know, the Lord can't really speak to you and have that renewal kind of thing as we plan to have this week unless you're here to allow His Spirit to deal with you. And uh, also, um, I think I'll just introduce Gilda to you this morning and let her uh, do another. I know you like music. People rather hear singing than preaching anyway. And uh, so I'll just ask her to come and sing a song, because well, this will be the only time some people get to meet you and see you, and I'll just, uh, she didn't know this, I just do things off the cuff. And uh, <laughs> so you can say whatever you want to. I'm going to hide behind the screen, by the way, if y'all. Well, you have to be laid back around Dale Riddle. You'll get used to that this week, and you may hear and see and do things that you wouldn't think about a preacher doing, but he's, he's just real. I'm so grateful for what Jesus did for me on the cross, his resurrection, and because of that, he promised me I would have a home in heaven with him someday. And you know what? The older I get, the more I'm looking forward to that because I have so many people ahead of me that are waiting there for me too. And I'm longing for that place called Sweet Beulah Land. <laughs> Bye. 
I think I will just share with you this morning one of my favorite verses. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. If they have that, they can post it or you can look it up, but I'm just going to quote it to you. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. The writer of Proverbs says this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. I love particular messages that just kind of preach themselves. And, and if you can just capture this verse this morning, you can really understand pretty much what everything God wants to do with you. And how he can bless you, and how you can have a wonderful relationship with him. And so I want to share with you just a few minutes the simplicity of this verse and yet the profoundness of what it teaches. What does God expect of you? What does God want of you anyway? I mean, 
we always ask, what does God want? What does he expect? And we, we come up with all kinds of things. He wants us to come to church, we think, because most of us are here because we think that's what God wants us to do. Now, some of you, I know, were made to come, but most of you are here because you really, I think, this is where God wants you to be. We think God wants us to give our money and our tithes, and he does. There's nothing wrong with any of this. He wants us to pray. He wants us to sing. He wants us to do all these things. What else does he want us to do? Really, you know, all God wants you to do is to trust in him. Trust in the Lord. It's as simple as that. If you put your trust in the Lord and allow his spirit to flow through you, all these other things will fall into place. But we complicate it, and sometimes I think, exaggerated by not just understanding the sinfulness of it all. What does he want with you and me? Trust in him. Trust in the Lord. Now, there's a little bit of problem there, of course, because we really don't understand that term. We think that believing in God and trusting in God is the same thing. And that's, a, that's really a huge mistake, if that's what you think. Because you can believe something without ever really trusting in it. Well, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, that whosoever believeth in him should die. I know what it says. I've been preaching it most of my life. But I also know that those words in the Bible, which was originally written in Greek, mean trust, totally dependence upon. It's not intellectual belief in something like just believing with your mind. That's, that's, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's all right. It's information. But trusting in God is entirely different. And whenever the Bible uses those terms, it's talking about trusting, totally complete reliance upon, not just believing with your mind. I mean, if that were true, that means the devil or the demons are Christians. <laughs> because does it not say in James, even the devil believes in God and trembles, or the demon? They believe, they even have sense enough to tremble. Does that make them followers of Christ? No. So just believing something does not do it. And the problem in our world today is I think we have a lot of believers. But we've never had many people who totally put their trust in the Lord. You know, it's hard to illustrate everything. I try to think of illustrations related. You know, I can remember when my children were small, one of the greatest examples of trust is, is childlike faith that the Bible talks about, except you come as a little child. You, cannot, you know why? Because children are very trusting unless you do something to to cause them not to be. I can remember when my children were small. We'd be staying somewhere, and we would be out. There would be, be a swimming pool, and they would come, and they'd say, Daddy, we want to dive off the diving board. And I said, but you can't even swim. And the water's eight feet deep out there. Well, we know that, but you can swim. So you swim out there, and you tread water, and we want to dive off the board. You can catch us and take us to the side. And, of course, you know, that was true. I could do that. And, you know, those crazy little kids, they trusted their dad so much, they would put their lives in jeopardy. They would go leaping off that diving board, trusting that their dad somehow would catch them and take them to the side. And, of course, I would. I was someone they could trust. Now, they could believe I could do it all day long. I said, you believe I would go catch you? Yeah, well, come on, jump. No, no, no. I'm not taking that chance. So, see, you can believe something and never really experience it. When I was pastor out in Texas, I had a, one of my favorite examples. I had a lady in my church. Her name was Desi Porter. 
And Desi could never understand the difference between believing in something and trusting in something. I, I would try to explain it to her, and she'd say, Dale, there's no difference. I believe in Christ. I've trusted in Christ. You're just making, it's just semantics. You know, it's, I said, but there's a difference. She couldn't figure it out. Well, one day she had brought me some vegetables from her garden, and we were outside, and I looked and I saw this plane making its approach into the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. And I knew how Desi felt about planes and stuff, and I thought, Desi, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I want you to answer them. I know they'll sound silly at first, but when you answer my questions, I want to try to teach you an object lesson here. She said, all right, what is it? I said, look, you see that thing right there, and I pointed to the jet making its approach. She said, yeah. I said, what is it? She said, I'm not answering a dumb question like that. I said, I've got a reason for this. You said you'd answer. Go ahead. Well, it's an airplane, crazy. I'm not stupid. I know what's an airplane. I said, no, good. That's fine. Don't get upset. Is it really flying or is that we imagining that? No, airplanes fly, silly. What, is it going somewhere? Yes, where's it going? It's flying to Dallas-Fort Worth. I know where it's going. Are there people inside that thing? She said, yes, they're fools that fly. Now, here was my point. You see, I knew Desi was horrified of flying. There was no way for all the money in the world that you would ever get aboard an airplane. That's just not going to happen. Some of you may be that way. would never take a chance of flying. I said, well, Desi, let me ask you a question. Why is it that you won't get on an airplane? She says, you know why I don't get fly? I said, no, I don't. And they, people would send her money to fly out west, and she would cash it in and ride a bus for 40 hours rather than on a plane for four. She says, you know why? I said, no, I don't. She said, because I know just as soon as I get on that thing, it'll fall. It'll crash. I said, oh, Desi, you do not trust an airplane, do you? No, I don't trust it. I said, well, now you know the difference between believing in something and trusting in something. There's nothing about an airplane I can ask you you don't believe. <laughs> nothing. You believe there is such a thing, it flies, it carries people, it goes places. I mean, I don't know of anything I can ask you about an airplane that you don't believe. Isn't that right? Well, I guess. I said, but let me tell you something, Desi. You are never, ever going to experience a flight. You're never going to know what it's like actually to get inside that thing and go and defy gravity and go up through space and fly, you'll never have that experience. You know why you'll never have that experience? And she paused and said, yeah, because I don't trust it. I said, that's right. And folks, you can believe everything in this Bible from cover to cover. You can come to church every Sunday and you could read this thing through ten times a year and you can do everything you want to. And you can say, I believe it all. But until you put your trust in the Lord, you've really never had that experience. Now, do you understand the difference between believing and trusting? Only you know whether you've really put your trust in the Lord. People tell me sometimes, well, how do you know for sure you're saved? I don't. There's no way to know. <laughs> But you know what I'm doing? I'm betting my life on Jesus Christ. I put my trust in him. I sure not put it on because I've said a few words and gone through baptismal waters and preached most of my life. If I do die and go to heaven, it's simply going to be because I've put my trust in the Lord. And you're going to have to do it too. 
So, trust in the Lord. How? What does it say? With all your heart. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? God wants all of you, not part of you. And that means you trust him with all that you are. Not just part of you. You know, the Bible uses the analogy like a marriage. When you marry somebody, you just give them a little bit of yourself. No, you give them all. Totally and completely. You make that commitment to one another. I like it. Christ is the bridegroom. We're the bride of Christ. We have to make a trusting commitment of our whole lives, our whole being. With all your heart. I don't know why they use the heart as a symbol of the soul. I've never figured that out. Just something that come, came through tradition, I guess. We know the heart really is just something that pumps blood. Y'all did know that, right? That might look like you weren't sure about that. No. When you say you love somebody with all your heart, you don't mean I love you with this muscle that pumps blood. Do you? No, you don't mean that. In fact, now they do heart transplants. What would you do then? I love you with... With old Mr. So-and-so's heart. <laughs> well, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about our lives, our being, who we are. So you trust in the Lord with everything you are. Yelda and I, as I mentioned, will soon be married 49 years. And we dated about four or five years before that. We were high school sweethearts. And I fell in love, and I knew one day I was going to ask her to marry me. And finally that day came. It was in 1964. I was 19 years old, she was 17, and she was going to be graduating. Her parents would not let us get married until she reached age of 18. They would never have signed for that. They were very, very peculiar people. And uh, so we had to wait them out. And, uh, but on uh, Christmas of her 17th birthday, just before my, well, really just before my uh, 19th birthday, uh, 20th birthday, she, I asked her if she'd marry me, Christmas Eve. She said she would, and uh, so we set a date, uh, June 19th, 1965, we were going to get married. We went in and told her parents about our decision. They weren't nearly as excited about it as we were, I can promise you that, but nothing they could do about it because it was past her 18th birthday. She was going to be legal. She could do what she wanted. Now, at this time, I was playing in a, a rock and roll band. I wasn't the best prospect for a, uh, for a husband, and I don't think, I think her parents knew that. And, um, and I'd been kind of footloose and fancy free, and, you know, we'd been traveling the world and seeing things and doing things and was pretty well established. And I, uh, after asking to marry me, a little while later, you know, came the date. You know, there comes a day when you got to verify what you're doing. And so, <laughs> I remember that we got married on a Saturday, and I woke up that morning, and I told my mama, I said, Mama, this is really serious what I'm doing today, isn't it? And she said, Good Lord, son, you just now thinking about that? <laughs> I said, No, I've been, I love the girl we've been dating for all these years. I want to get married, but, I mean, today is today. I mean, it's like I can't, you know. And you know what I was worried about? I was wondering, can I do this? I mean, this girl is going to now expect me to be faithful just to her. There's no more fooling around with other girls or dating anybody else. Or, and here I am now, just I'm going to be 20 years old. I've, 
have every opportunity in the world to do anything I want to. Now I'm saying that's it. I'm, I'm settling down to this one person for the rest of my days. I, was, I got to thinking about that. Am I capable of making that kind of commitment? And I guess I was really anxious about it. I didn't know. But my mom and dad took me to the church. I hid in my car because I didn't want anybody to mess it up. And so they drove me to the church. And they stopped twice on the way to church to let me throw up on the side of the road. And uh, so, well, you can laugh, but I was taking my vows seriously here. Got to church. We went back into the groom room, I guess you'd call it, where the groom and the preacher and the best man and all that. Preacher looked at me and said, Dale, you look awful. What's the matter with you? I said, man, I threw up two times coming over here. He said, what's the matter with you? I said, this, this is really serious, what I'm doing today. He said, well, yeah, it is. You, what are you going to do it? I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. But I'm anxious about it. But, you know, the music started, and I walked out there. You know, and I'd, I'd sung in Coliseum. I'd been in front of thousands of people. Nothing bothered me like that. Here in this little small church, you could see my pants legs shaking in front of the church. I was just so nervous, and the sweat popping out all over me. And I looked, and here came my bride on the arm of her dad. She was smiling like she always does. She has a big old smile, and. And I looked at her, and kind of a peace came over me. And I said, well, praise God, she looks like she knows what she's doing anyway. <laughs> I believe I can trust her, and I'm going to do my best. And, you know, I stood there almost 49 years ago and took those commitments to my wife. And 49 years later, we're still here. And, and you know, she still holds me accountable to every one of them. 49 years hadn't lessened her insistence that I be Faithful on the door. What if I decided, oh, I'm going to do all of them except be faithful, shucks. Good grief. There's so many lonely women in the world today. And I've had a lot of marriage experience. If she would just give me a break, I believe I could help some of these lonely women. <laughs> you know that's not right. And I know that's not right. I wouldn't expect her to do that. And I wish she wouldn't expect me to. We made that commitment. We put our trust in each other with all of our hearts. And that's what God expects you to do. That's why we strive, even though we never can do it, to do our very best to keep our commitments to him. All right, my time's about going. I'll just sum it up. Trust in the Lord, how with all your heart. Third thing, lean not to thine own understanding. Here's another thing. Quit trying to figure it out. Good grief. I mean, you're not going to figure out God. The gospel we have is a mystery. Part of the problem of Baptists particularly, and I'm more familiar with Baptists, is that they think they can explain everything. Good Lord, we don't understand any of this stuff. If you've got a pastor, and I'll say this because I don't know what he preaches or teaches, but if he tells you he's got it all figured out, he's got all the answers, you need to either get rid of him or go somewhere else. Because that is not so. The Bible even says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He takes things that are foolishness and makes it wisdom and takes things that are wisdom and makes it foolishness. It is a mystery. I have preached it all my life, and I still don't know why God loves me. I mean, I don't think I deserve that kind of love. I don't know why he would do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't sacrifice my child for any of you. Oh, y'all so religious. Well, I'd kill mine for you. No, you wouldn't. You would not. 
Let's just be honest about this thing. I mean, this love of God is beyond expression. I, I cannot explain it. And so why in the world would I try to understand it? Lean not to your own understanding. I don't know why, but that's no reason not to enjoy it. I don't know why my wife loves me. <laughs> I hadn't figured it out. But you know what? I'm not, going to, I'm not going to enjoy our relationship. I'm not going to do anything with her until I've figured it all out. I've got to know why she is committed to me. I don't care as long as she is. And you've got to quit trying to figure out, well, I'm going to serve the Lord once I can just figure all this stuff out and see where I plug in. You'll never do anything. That's why you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and quit trying to figure it out. I don't even know how the things of this world works. Why would I think I know how the things of God work? I hadn't even figured out a cell phone yet. When I was growing up, we used to tie ten cans together with a string, you know, and wax them and talk. And that moved on to telephone, but they always had cords and stuff. But now they do it through microwaves, they say. And I don't know anything. All I know is that microwaves heat stuff. But do I refuse to use a cell phone because I don't understand how it works? No, I still use the cotton picking thing. I don't care how it works as long as it works. And I've been on one side of the country and my daughter on the other, and both of us in cars talking with each other. Yet this beats anything I've ever seen. I know, y'all look, boy, you're really dumb, aren't you? You're not, none of you are smart, any smarter than me. I am, I don't think. I'd share the principles with you, but I don't really understand it. You know, I know within this room right now, there's literally thousands of waves coming through here with programs and radio waves and television waves and microwaves. You can't see a one of them. We've got even something up here. It's coming from somewhere. He said, well, it comes from marriage to the camera, but you know, it's strange. So all I'm saying is quit trying to figure it out. Lean not to thine own understanding. Finally, in all your ways, acknowledge him. All God expects you to do is just, we took to the theme of our ministry, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I think it was. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all of the glory of God. All God wants you to do is trust him with all your heart. Quit trying to figure it out. And just whatever you do, do for his glory. Whatever you do, do it well. You don't look, everybody can't be preachers or teachers or missionaries. Or, if you're a great businessman, do that for the glory of God. If you're a great housewife and mother, do that for the glory of God. Just do what you do for the glory of God. Acknowledge Him. And what is the result? He shall direct your path. Wouldn't you like for God to kind of have a little direction in your life? Well, He can't direct you if you don't trust Him. Or if you're always questioning him and trying to figure everything out. But if you'll trust him with all you are and quit trying to figure it out and just give him the glory of what you do, he can direct your path. He can give you guidance. He can help you. And I hope that's your desire this week as we begin to seek renewal and relationship with God this week. I hope you'll pray and ask God what he would have you do. I know if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, he wants you to put your trust in him. That's it. We're going to have an invitation in a moment. You just come and sell it to fast. I want to trust the Lord today. I don't understand it, uh, but I, I'm ready to do that. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Some of you, as 
Laura shared with us in the thing. You just need to renew that right spirit within you. Pray that prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew that right spirit within me. Some of us need renewal. This will be your time. You know, I tell the pastor, I, I extend an invitation because I like for people to express their beliefs before the Lord. Every service will give you an opportunity. You don't have to pray with your pastor. I mean, he'll be here if you want to pray with him. You may just want to come and kneel or stand. But by coming, you're saying, God's spoken to me, and I'm making a commitment, and I want my church family to know it, and I want to give God glory for what he's doing in my life. All we're doing is giving you a chance to give glory to God. That wouldn't kill you, would it? How long has it been since you've been forward and acknowledged, it's not my brother and my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. And so if God is speaking to you today and you need to make a commitment, whether to trust him, whether to renew your relationship, maybe to join this church. I don't even know who's members here. I've never been here before. Maybe you're seeking where God would have you serve. Well, then join here. Be a part of it. That's what you feel led to do. But you... Make that commitment now in your heart, and then if you feel led, give God the glory for it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your scriptures that teach us such simple yet wonderful truths. And I pray it would be our prayer today that you would create in us a clean heart and renew that right spirit within us. Thank you that it's really simple. All you really want us to do is just trust you with whoever and whatever we are and all that we are. And thank you, we don't have to be smart enough to figure it out. For if that were true, only the ones who are wise enough to understand it could actually have a relationship with you. But you've made it so simple, even childlike trust will work. And Lord, help us to desire to acknowledge you with our lives and to trust you and allow you to direct our paths. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.